Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. We continue our series, and our series is in the second epistle of Peter, the second letter of Peter to the church. And it's, a, it's a, of course, it's, it's exciting to go through a book of the Bible because you keep things in context of basically how he gave it to the church. Uh, last time, which was two weeks ago, we went through uh, the first four chapters and just beginning uh, with just a review is that in verse 3 that uh, says the sin that we have that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And I learned this a long time ago that when I saw this verse, this verse teaches me that I have everything, everything that I need for eternal life, for a life that God wants me to live, and for godliness that I have it in this Bible. He's already given it to me. I don't have to try to earn it. He's already given it to me. And it also says that through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And so I know that I have to get to know God in, a, in an experiential way because I know that this divine knowledge is going to come to me through knowledge of him. These, uh, everything that's dealing with life and God is going to come to me through that. And he says, by his glory and excellence. And God is infinitely bright, infinitely uh, splendor. He is infinitely perfect. There is nothing that uh, he's not. And, and if you, that's why you can't look at God and live because if he's infinitely bright, you think that he says that in the New Jerusalem, you will not need the sun. We're not going to have the sun. So if we're not going to have the, the sun as you in, then how are we going to see because it'll be dark? But he says that, you know, that they, the, the, the son and, and the father, they, they're going to be the son. You don't have to be concerned about light. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, that, that he can light up the whole, uh, the whole heaven, New Jerusalem, all the people who are saved, he can light it up so he says there's going to be no night. So the gates don't have to close at night. It's going to be on the daytime. So I said, wow, that's, that's interesting. That's really good. So these are interesting things that we have gone over. And it said that in verse 4 that he has granted us precious, magnificent promises that by these promises we will be partakers of his divine nature. And so I said, wow, that is pretty good. I like that. And it says that having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. So it tells us that, that, the, that in this world there is corruption. And corruption is by our inordinate affection, desire, lust, passion for things that's not of God. And so that's how we get corrupt. And God says that we have escaped that. And escape means by flight. 
we, we, we like Joseph when Potiphar's wife tried to uh, him in, him in uh, to uh, do something he wasn't supposed to do. He, he fled. He ran. And that's what God wants us to do, flee the corruption that's in the world. Now, I don't know about you, but as far as the precious promises, I have been excited about using those more and more and looking for those who, that, that will speak to areas that I have need of. Now, how about you? Have, have you had an opportunity to use these precious promises or to be more partakers of his divine nature? Yeah, I guess it's, it's like uh, you tell a, uh, a kid, so look, if you get all A's, when you're 16, I'm going to buy you a car. Now, and what I want you to do now, not only are you going to make all A's, but you have to be a perfect student as far as character is concerned. You have to really, don't embarrass me. You be obedient to your teachers. You do what you're supposed to do. You go to class on time. All these type of things. And we're going to buy you a car. Now, usually a student will, because of the, the promise, now promise is just an assurance, uh, uh, that assurance you gave them, they will now do some more than, than they normally would have done. They're going to try to say, well, uh, man, I can't mess up uh, because I, uh, my parents going to buy me a car if I do what they tell me to do. Well, well God is saying that, that we'll be partakers of his divine nature by these magnificent and precious promises. And so I said, well, uh, God, I don't want to be worried about anything because if I'm worried about something, that means that I'm in sin. Because you said, don't be worried about anything. Uh, be careful for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to him. So I'm going to do what God says, and if we do what God says, we get the promise that he said he would give us. That's how we use these divine promises. Now, has anybody uh, had any experience with that today? This, this, uh, the last two weeks, because we talked this, uh, two weeks ago. Okay, nobody did anything. All right, good. Okay. <laughs> next time, which is next week, I'm going to ask you again. Who has been uh, experienced the message that I taught, which is today? I said last week, but it's today's message. So you have to pay attention because you know, I don't want to call on anybody because I know, I know, I know, I know that you have been um, you were excited about that message two weeks ago, and you started uh, searching for these divine promises. One thing that, that I did, we have a, a promise book. And I remember it was red, and I said, Minerva, what, did, um, what happened to this uh, promise book? I want to see it. And she found it. She said, well, she didn't have to find it because she used it every day. So I said, hey, uh, let me see it. So she let me see the promise book. And I said, I wonder how many people have a promise book. And I looked online, Amazon, to see uh, whether they still, ha still have them, and they do. They still have these promise books about that particular one and by other, other uh, authors, too. And I said, wow, people can take a little pamphlet, a little book, and they can start quoting these promises that God has given us, and it'll help spur us on to be more like him. 
whether it's in any area or not. Now, today, the title of the message is Courage to Swim Upstream. And I don't know about you, but it takes not only courage, but it takes strength. It takes strength to swim upstream because the current is going in the opposite direction. And so you're going to have to use more effort. Just like when you're driving a car, you use more effort if you're going uphill. So you use more gas. Uh, you had to put, you had to use accelerator more. So same way we're going upstream. I have a little video clip I want to show you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. It's, it seemed to be sad to be a salmon, but <laughs> but uh, isn't it interesting how the bears automatically know that if I stand here in this water, they, they're coming, and we can catch some, uh, and so they are, they are right there waiting, you're there on the spot to catch some of the salmon. But it's good to know that for everyone that's caught, hundreds get through. Why do you think salmon swim upstream? Not all salmon, just that just the when they are ready to lay their eggs, they go back, I'm told, to their place of origin. And so they have to swim a long ways, hundreds of miles, uh, because they, they have been in, in other places, and so they have to make it back to their birthplace. Now, can you imagine... How in the world can a salmon know exactly the stream that it came out of? God is awesome, isn't he? He knows how to put an instinct in a fish, and that fish swims upstream. Not downstream, it goes upstream. And I don't know how in the world they jump to get over that waterfall, because when they get going back, they have to go over waterfalls, like you saw on the video. And they said they can, some salmon, they jump as high as 10 feet. That's a basketball goal height. And I said, wow, they can jump like that. 
I can't jump that high. So how in the world a fish can jump high? They don't have legs. But, but see, God, God in his infinite power, his glory, his excellence, he made it so that they have an instinct. They can do those things. Now, I believe that God has put something in us also that will cause us to swim upstream. I don't think we were meant to swim with the current downstream with everybody else once we get saved. I don't believe that. I believe that within us is that which takes takes for us to swim against the current. Now that's the, that, that's today's message, but it takes courage, and we don't have bears ready to catch us, anything like that. But I tell you, we do have things that sometimes go off in our minds. That if I if I'm going the opposite direction of everybody else, I'm not going to have any friends. I'm going to be lonely. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to have. I don't want to be uh, someone don't have any friends. I want to have friends. And but so it's going to take courage, and especially for for our teenagers and young adults. They they thrive on having friends. And when people don't want to be around them because of their lifestyle, because they are now Christians, they want to talk about things of the Lord. They want to go to church. They want to go to Bible study. They want to read their Bible. That's going against the stream. And you don't find teenagers that are not saved that's going to do those type of things. So therefore... You're going to have to be courageous to try to swim against the current even though people are going opposite direction. We have to do the same thing as adults. We're no different. We have to go against the stream even though other people are going in the opposite direction. And so we can't do what everybody else does. We have to do what God tells us to do. So let's start off in verse 5 of Second Peter Chapter 1. Let's look there. Now we saw in, in 4 that by his glory and excellence that he's granted to us precious and magnificent promises that so that by them we may become partakers of his divine nature having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Then it says, now, for this very reason. So when it says now, for this very reason, it's telling us that for the reasons that was just given in verses 3 and 4, for this very reason, I want you to apply all diligence. And so if you, if you uh, look at your bulletin, on the back of your bulletin, it has a word study, and it has uh, these words uh, that we'll be talking about, it add, like King James might say, add uh, to it. And in, 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 uh, in, in the New American Standard says supply. It means supply. You, you just don't add. Uh, but it tells you about faith. It tells you about uh, diligence. 
make, make every concerted effort. It tells you the meaning of more excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brother kindness, and love. It tells you all those, and you can look at it uh, instead of doing your free time. We're not going to go through it today. We'll, we'll be mentioning it, but not going through the, the word study of each, each word. So now, when we are going through this, when it says, applying all diligence in your faith, supply more excellence. And in your more excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. And that's verse 5 through 7. What is he actually saying here? Now, does it mean that we need to do these things in order to have God to look favorably upon us? Do we need to do these things for salvation? Do we need to do these things in order for God to love us? No, it it means none of that. It just means that you have within you the Holy Spirit. All of us, when we are born again, we have the Spirit of God in us. He's also our, our seal. Uh, he's, he's been given to us uh, for, for a promise of what is to come. And we're supposed to, because we have God in us, we're supposed to have a desire to supply these things to our lives. Now, it's not only means that we need to uh, 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 these these eight things here. What we need to do, we need to be understanding that these are just a few of the things, and they are not in this order anyway. Meaning that, well, add to your moral excellence knowledge. Well, doesn't, you don't have to do that in an order. It doesn't mean that these are the only things because we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And joy is not mentioned here. Peace is not mentioned here. Long-suffering is not mentioned here. But you know as well as I know that we need to be working with the Holy Spirit to be more long-suffering, to be more joyful, to be at more peace because... That's God's divine nature. He is the Prince of Peace. Is that correct? He's the Prince of Peace. He is love. And we know that when we were talking about Philippians, when we went through the the book of Philippians, the epistle of Philippians, we know that the main theme of that book was joy, rejoicing. And so we know we're supposed to be rejoicing. So don't get the order wrong because it's, it's not that way. Like in Philippians, I think it's chapter 2, uh, verse probably 12 and 13, when we went through that, it says that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You remember that? And, and then it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do, King James says, or to work his good pleasure in you. So we work out our salvation not because 
that's the only way we're going to get saved. We're already saved. He says, okay, finish it, complete it, keep going. Don't stop because it's God who's at work in you. And this is what this is saying here. God has already given us everything that's pertaining to life and godliness. Everything. So, so therefore, since he has given us everything and that he has given us magnificent and precious promises so we will be partakers of his divine nature, so since he's already done that, now let's, let's be diligent then to start adding and, and start supplying and start moving forward upstream like those Simon was moving upstream. Let's don't get concerned about where, where everybody else is going, who going the other way and past us. We're only concerned about one thing, is that we're concerned about being more like Christ. And that's what this section is here for. Now you say, well, hmm, but that seems like a lot of work to me. If I'm going to be diligent to add these things to me, well, what else are you going to do? Are you going to be in sin? Because he says that uh, he who perseveres to the end will be, what's the word? Saved. Well, you say, well, suppose I don't persevere to the end. Well, perseverance is a characteristic of Christ. He's already given you everything you need for perseverance. What we're going to have to persevere in situations. And it helps us if we encourage one another daily, seeing that, seeing that you know, we're in end times. Why don't we encourage one another daily when we hear somebody uh, word about something, you know, sharing with you, well, you know, my son, my daughter, my mother, my father, my sister, whatever, uh, she's going through this, and, and I'm, so, I'm so worried, I'm so concerned about this. You need to be able to say, look, let's do this. Let's do what the Word of God says. Let's don't be careful about this thing. Let's pray. Because God has promised that if we pray and give it to him, then all peace that passes our understanding will keep our heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So let's do that. And let's don't be worried about it. Yeah, but you don't, you don't understand. Some people want to be worried. I mean, they feel good. it feels good for them to worry about something because it, to them it shows concern. But it's so unscriptural. Do you think Jesus is worried about something? Is he worried about us? And he said, well, I don't know whether they're going to come to church today and, and worship me. I've given them the whole week. I've, I've kept them alive all week. I've kept them from accidents all week. And then here it is Sunday. I don't know what to do, Holy Spirit. I don't know what to do, Jesus, because they might not come to church and worship me. Man, Jesus is not concerned. God's not concerned about us like that. He is not concerned. Because he, has, he knows how to move us. And he knows whether if we won't be moved now, it's okay. He's not going to get upset with you because you're not moved by him. He's not. He'll just wait till you get ready. He will, that's how he'll do. He'll wait till you get ready. And you say, well, 
No, that's not God. He'll make me do something. No, he's not. He's he's going to let you do exactly what you want to. He's going to try to encourage you. But I tell you, who wants to make you do something is Satan. Now, what you don't want to do is for Jesus to say, okay, I'll leave him alone. Let them do what they want to do. Do you know that's the worst thing that can happen? Because what Satan does is that, all right, that gives me an opportunity now to start causing problems in their life, in, in their families, in their marriage. And see, we don't want to give no foothold for the devil. We really don't. And the only way you're going not to give a foothold to the devil is we're going to be swimming upstream, persevering, be joyful, uh, be at peace about every situation because we're going to pray. Oh, fear thoughts will come. All those kind of weird thoughts will come, but we're going to cast those thoughts away. He says, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. That's what he said. So why in the world are we going to be uh, concerned and all worried about your health, whether you're going to live, whether you're going to die, whether you're going to have a quality type of life? That's what somebody told me. Well, I'm going to pray that you have a, a quality life. I said, I'm going to have a quality life. You don't have to worry about me having a quality life. I'm going to have a quality life because as long as I'm in this body, God has a call for me to do certain things. And so as long as he's not finished with me, he's going he's to empower me. He's going to give me the grace to get it done. And that's the same as you. He's going to give you grace to do what he's called you to do. And I said, okay, that's good. But suppose, just suppose now, just suppose, I don't want to do these things because it takes time. It takes time. And after all, I do volunteer work. You know, I like to watch TV. I like to read books. I like to do all these type of things. It takes too much time. I'm doing a, a Bible study. I do, I do a Bible study. I do that. I go to church. That's enough for me. Suppose we say, no, I'm not going to be diligent to add to my uh, knowledge, uh, you know, self-control. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to, try to really conquer peace in my life. I'm not going to try to do that. Well, it says in verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, oh, now here's something else. If they are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that we or be partakers of his divine nature uh, because uh, we have knowledge of him and we'll be uh, able to partake of his, his life and godliness because of our true knowledge of him. And it says we'll be neither useless nor unfruitful. That's okay. Does God want us useful to him? Or does he want us useless? one is useful, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it says here that these qualities then are going to have to be yours and increase if you want to be useful 
and fruitful. Now let's look in John chapter 15. In John 15, verse 8, it tells us there that herein is my Father glorified. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Does God want us fruitful? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so prove to be my disciple. I know you're my disciples, but if you want to prove to the world that you're my disciples, then be fruitful. Be fruitful. Let's look at 15, 16. Let's look at verse 16. The same chapter. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Woo! That's what he said. So we know for a fact he wants us fruitful. He doesn't want our fruit to be something that starts coming out and then all of a sudden it doesn't get ripe. He wants us to be fruitful and he wants our fruit to remain. What's the fruit of our words? What's the fruit of our, our doing? He wants our fruit to remain. Listen to what this. Y'all probably didn't know this is a promise. Or some of you might have known, but I bet you you don't quote it. I bet you don't, don't think about that. It says, look at this. It says, so that, what does so that mean? If, if you do what it says up here, I want your fruit to, I want you to bear fruit, and your fruit will remain. Now, if you bear fruit, and your fruit remain, I want you to, I want this to be yours, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. Whatever, whatever. Now, to me. That's a promise. That's a promise. But now how do I reap that promise? He says that I need to be fruitful and my fruit must remain. And he wants it to be so. He doesn't want me to be useless and fruitless because he wants to give us Everything we ask for. And you say, well, no, he doesn't. Because I asked for a car one time. He didn't give me a car. Well, he knows. How many times do you, do you think Jesus asked the Father for a car? How many times do you think he asked him for a chariot? How about a horse, a horse and buggy so he don't have to walk a lot? He didn't. What did he ask the Father for? He asked the Father for things that's going to that's glorify the Father, didn't he? He asked for things that's going to serve other people, didn't he? He, he had these 5,000 people that was lingering around him, and if he sent them home at, the, at that time, they might have fainted during the way, and so he took what food that he had, blessed it, and then multiplied it, so that they could eat. Now that's what Jesus does. Jesus says to the wind, cease, 
to the storm, be still. And the storm was still. Jesus is going to ask things that's going to be beneficial to us. Jesus asked for this widow woman who didn't have one son, and that one son died, and they were going out to bury the, the fellow, and Jesus saw it. He had compassion on the widow, and he, he stopped it, and he rolled, he, he put his hands on it, and that boy rose from the dead because he had compassion on that widow. See, he's not asking for a car. He's not asking for a chariot. He's not asking for, man, God, I sure would like to have some steak dick tonight. You know, I sure would like to have somewhere to lay my head because, because uh, man, he doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. God, somebody need to give me a, a nice, nice home so that I can, I can be nice and comfortable. I don't have to be out here in the cold and the dew at night. I don't have to do all this stuff. No, he didn't ask nothing like that. And so God knows that if you are partakers of his divine nature, we're not going to ask anything like that either. We're going to be asking for things that's going to bring glory to him. That's what we're going to be asking. Let's go back to Second Peter. And you say, well, I still don't want to do it. I still don't want to do all these things. I do it for a little while, but I don't want to do all these things. It takes too much time. It takes too much time. Well, verse 9 tells us, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. Somebody is blind, can't see. Somebody is short-sighted, can't see nothing but that's in front of them. They are not foresighted. They're short-sighted. Well, then what do you mean blind and short-sighted? They forgot their purification from their former sins. They forgot that God had purified them. See, that they, being in the stream, going downstream with everybody else, partaking of what conversation everybody else is talking about, doing what everybody else is doing, caused them to be short-sighted and blind, and they've forgotten that they've been purified and they're supposed to be swimming upstream. They forgot about that. God doesn't want us to forget about that. And he says that, then he says that, therefore, what do you mean therefore? Therefore, because that's what I just said. All I said in verse 8, verse 9. So therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent, because I, I know you don't want to, but you cannot forget that you have been purified from your former sins, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your call, his calling you and choosing you. He said, oh, I know I'm saved. I don't have to. I do not have to be reminded I'm saved. I am saved. When he comes back, I'm going. I don't have to be diligent to add no, no peace, no joy, no love. I don't have to have anything I went through the Romans row with my Sunday school teacher. So I know I'm saved. So therefore, when he comes back, I'm certain that he, he called me. 
He chose me. Well, it says, make certain. It didn't say you weren't. It says make certain. Make certain of his choosing you. Make certain of his calling you by doing these things. Then he gives us a promise. He says, for as long as you practice these things, practice now, you're going to have to practice more excellence. You're going to have to practice perseverance and self-control. As long as you practice these things, you will never stumble or fall, and it means into sin. Never. Never. What a promise. What a promise. You can, you can tell your children, you can tell your relatives, you can tell uh, anybody who's, who, who's saved, you can tell them, look, if you want to be sure that you never, ever, ever fall into sin, never stumble, then you practice the things that makes for God's nature. Practice. Be diligent to practice uh, virtue, more excellence, self-control. Practice these things. Practice perseverance. Practice joy. Practice uh, uh, peace. Being at peace. Practice these things. Because you'll never stumble. Now, is that a promise or not? Is it a promise or not? It's a promise. So anybody who's stumbling and falling into sin, you know, they're not practicing these things. They forgot. They are purified from their former sin. Listen to this one. He says in verse 11, For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom, there will be an entrance. There is a door. He says the entrance into the eternal kingdom. Well, I thought I was already... In the kingdom, eternal kingdom, where you are and you aren't. You are, but not yet. And it says that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly, it says, abundantly supplied to you. Now, that's a promise. That's a promise. In other words, when they open the doors to New Jerusalem, you are going to be ushered in abundantly. It's going to be supplied to you. Everybody going to be cheering you coming in because you have been diligent. And to, to me, God has given us some promises. He's given us four promises that we can look at and remember today. Four promises. Four promises is that you will be, if you do these things, you will, you will be useful and fruitful. That's verse 8. You'll be useful and fruitful. Another one is in Verse 10, you will make certain about Jesus, about God, calling you and choosing you as long as you practice being diligent with these eight things we went over today. 
That's two. Number three is in verse 10. For as long as you practice these things, you will never, never, ever fall into sin. And the last promise he gave us is that you will have an entrance, entrance into the eternal kingdom by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, abundantly supplied to you. That's what he said. These are four precious, magnificent promises that he's holding there. He's not saying he's going to buy us a car. He's not saying that he's going to give us a carrot cake. He's saying that you're going to be useful, you're going to be fruitful. You're going you're gonna to have the eternal thing abundantly supplied to you if you just practice these things. I said, well, that's exciting to me. That gives me incentive to uh, practice and not to be lazy because I can be spiritually lazy. How about you? Yeah. But he says, I don't want you to be that way. I don't want you to be that way. Because you don't have that program inside of you. You have a program inside of you, the fruit of the Spirit. You have the, the Holy Spirit inside of you, so therefore you have everything that it takes to live a life of godliness and excellence and be a partaker of his divine nature. We have that in us. We are like the salmon. When, we, when those female salmon, I guess they're female, who have those eggs, got to get back to their... Their, their, their uh, birthing ground waters, they're going to have to, they're gonna have to swim upstream. They're going to have to jump over the, the waterfalls. They're going to have to try to dodge the bears. They're going to have to do some everything to get back to where this belongs. And they get there. They get there. And that's amazing to me. They get there. And we're going to get there also if we keep swimming upstream. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.